All right, we're going we're to talk a little bit about Daniel chapter 6, the first five verses tonight. As, as Daniel continues to serve in Babylon, it's almost amazing to think about how many years he was there and yet how God blessed his efforts with success all along the way. So I, I have a little, uh, little thing for you to do tonight. As we think about measuring success, would you agree that, that people would not be able to come to a complete agreement on what really is the true measure of success? I think you're probably well aware for that for some people, success would be how much money can I possibly make in this world, right? How can I make my life as comfortable as possible with the best job I can possibly find? Other people might measure success in the amount of people that they're able to help with the things that they do in their life, right? They find success in serving others. Maybe somebody else would say success would be having a great spouse and a great family and some good relationships, good friends in this life would be a measure of success as well. So, I, so here's what I'd like you to do tonight. And if you'd like to talk to somebody close to you, go ahead. If these are all of your deepest, darkest you know, ideas, you don't have to share with people if you don't want. But, but I want you to fast forward 10 years. Okay, I want you to think about what your life would be like. And so for most of you, that's somewhere between probably 28, 29, and 34, 35 years old. I won't, okay, I'll be 60 in 10 years. But, you know, that, you, you get the idea, right? You get the idea of what, fast forward 10 years, what will it look like? And I want you to just think of three goals. And, and I didn't give you paper or anything to write them down tonight, but if you want to share with somebody close to you, I'll give, I'm going to give you just a moment to think about it. And then would you just share with somebody close to you one, at least one of the three things that you would say, if this were happening in 10 years, then I would consider it a success. Go ahead. Okay, maybe you didn't nail down all three goals, all, things, all three things that you would write down if you were thinking of your success in 10 years. But, but let me just see, you know, as old as I am, if I can think what, what you what might be thinking about in 10 years, okay? So how many of you at least would put one of your goals for success as something job-related? Raise your hand if it would be job-related. Okay, I'm pretty sure I was going to nail that one. Thanks for getting me off to a good start. All right? How about uh, relationships that you would hope that in maybe 10 years you would be blessed with a spouse and possibly the start of a family? Go ahead and raise your hand if that was one of your goals. Okay, see, two for two. Now they get kind of tough from there, right? Okay, and I'm not going to guess all the other ones, but, but maybe it had to do with maybe some of you love to travel and you like to see certain parts of the world, certain parts of our country even. Uh, maybe you have other goals that you thought of. And yeah, it's pretty easy to start thinking about Boy, 10 years from now, here's what I would like to have happened in my life. What we're going to talk about tonight is really, I suppose, how God defines success. And how God defines success might certainly be in some of those ways that you've written down. They don't have to clash. But I think as we see Daniel's life, one of the things that we get to see is that God's success and his definition of success doesn't always perfectly match the way that we think and our definition of success. Listen to these first five verses from Daniel chapter 6 as we see Daniel once again having a new switch, a new idea in his life. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. 
At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. We think about those words. I just wanted to show you a map of the Medo-Persian Empire. So this is the new normal for Daniel. After spending all this time in the Babylonian Empire, last week we talked about how King Belshazzar threw the feast and instantly his kingdom was taken away from him and given to the Medes and Persians. You just take a look. It's pretty amazing how far the Medo-Persian Empire stretched. All the way to Egypt, all the way to Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, and all the way over to in the Indus River in India. Um, and take a look at the date right here. This is when the Babylonian Empire was conquered by Cyrus in 539 B.C. So as the events of chapter 6 start, we are in a new kingdom. And in this new kingdom, it's the first year of the reign, we're told, of King Darius. So we're talking about 538 B.C. You get bonus points if you remember this all the way back from Daniel chapter 1. But in Daniel chapter 1, we found out that Daniel and his companions, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon by Nebuchadnezzar in the year 605. I'm not great at math, but that's somewhere between 65 and 70 years that Daniel has been living in exile in Babylon. He's spanned several Babylonian kings and now a new kingdom has arisen, new power, a new entire nation, a new entire people is in control of the world. And yet God kept Daniel in a, an important position in government. There's one little problem, I suppose we could say, for us today as we look at Daniel chapter 6 and that is to identify who King Darius is. Here's the problem. The Bible just reports his name as King Darius. And if we look in secular history, there's no record of anyone who ruled the Medo-Persian Empire by that name. So there are different solutions that people have offered over the years. Some have said it's simply a title. It seems to be very related to a word that means the one who holds the scepter. So like Pharaoh or king would be a title. Darius might be a title as well. And in that case, it could represent a few different people, I suppose. It could represent someone who King Cyrus had actually appointed to rule over the province of Babylon. Or it could actually be King Cyrus himself by a different name. And there are many Bible commentators that believe this King Darius was the same as King Cyrus. Whoever it is, this new empire gave Daniel a new chance to have some influence over the kingdom. It's kind of amazing, isn't it? Here's Daniel, a man probably if he was a teenager when he was taken to Babylon, he's in his 80s now. He's in his 80s and he is influencing this new empire to bring changes about. Do you know what happened under King Cyrus and the Medo-Persian Empire? Do you know that the people of Israel who had been in exile for that 70 years were actually allowed to go back home to Jerusalem to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple? And that all happened under King Cyrus. And I always wonder, because the Bible doesn't tell us directly, how much influence Daniel had over King Cyrus, over the Medo-Persian Empire to say, you know what, it, it, it's time to let 
my people go back to their homeland. But Daniel was so respected. After all of this time in the Babylonian Empire, he earned the respect of King Darius as well and was appointed as one of three satraps over the 120 provinces of that vast kingdom of the Medo-Persian Empire. And then he ruled so well in that position that he was in line for a promotion. And that promotion was going to set him over the entire kingdom. As the other administrators thought about this 80-year-old-plus guy, Daniel, leading the nation, the empire of the Medo-Persian kings that way, uh, they became jealous. And they looked for a way to make Daniel fall. They wanted to trip him up a little bit, dig some dirt up on him, but they couldn't find anything because Daniel had no corruption. There was nothing that he did wrong. And again, we see God as the one who blessed him with that success. The last line of verse 5 is going to lead us into next week. They are going to use Daniel's religion against him. And you know the rest of Daniel chapter 6 that we'll talk about next week where Daniel gets thrown into a den of lions. But we'll save that story for next week. Think about this. After all of those years, 70 years plus of Daniel living away from home in exile in Babylon, how many times might Daniel have asked this question, what's going on, God? How often might Daniel have thought, how come I'm not getting the opportunity to go back home? How, God, is it that you want me to stay here and continue to be a part of these foreign kingdoms without having the benefit of being in my homeland? What I love about these first five verses of Daniel chapter 6 is it demonstrates that God knows exactly what he's doing. He needed Daniel right where he was to be the person who could influence the Medo-Persian Empire and, and maybe in, through that influence allow the people of Israel to return home to Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but I have caught myself asking that very question over the last few months. How long is this going to last? God, is this going to be exactly what we've talked about this whole semester? Is this going to be the way it's going to be, the new normal that we're simply going to have to get used to? And as I was preparing this today, I got a little email in my email inbox, the same email that you guys got, about some second semester information at UW-Madison, right? Things are going to be a lot like they are this semester. And maybe when you read that, you thought, oh, here we go again. Thought maybe there would be a few more in-person classes second semester, that it wasn't going to be chapter 2 of, well, actually chapter 3 if you go back to last year, of COVID, right? And it's easy to start asking those questions and wondering if God really knows what he's doing. But I want you just to hear those first five verses again of Daniel chapter 1, to think about those and understand that what God knew about Daniel, he knows about you. He knows right where you are. He knows exactly what's going on in your life, in your schooling, in your family. He knows what's going on in our country. He knows what's going on around the world. And even more than just knowing, he's still in control of all of those things. He's still fully aware of everything that's going on. And he's still faithful to this promise that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. I find tremendous comfort in that. Comfort that when I question, God, do you, do you really know or do you remember what's going on? Do you remember what's happening in our world? God says, of course I do. Be still and know that I am God. And I don't know what success God has in store for you through all of the things that you're experiencing. 
But he certainly set Daniel up for success in both kingdoms that he ruled. And God promises that he's watching over you and will lead you through the difficulties that you're facing as well. God promises that he has plans for you. You might know this passage that's on the, on the screen from Proverbs chapter 16. In his heart, a man plans his course, but God determines his steps. God never says it's wrong for us to plan. And so thinking about 10 years from now and what your life might look like and how you define success, there's absolutely nothing wrong with doing that, with thinking ahead, with planning, with having goals. As long as we also understand God might change a little bit. We might have to go through another change in our life, another new normal that might result from different things that happen. And like Daniel, here's the opportunity that you have. By your attitude, by your words, by your actions, you can influence a lot of people around you. When you take in stride things that happen that are frustrating, things that happen that are, are less than what you would desire, and when you remember, oh yeah, God might have a different plan for me than I have for myself, people notice that kind of thing. They notice when you're calm in the middle of difficult times. They notice when you say, yeah, I trust that God knows what he's doing. I trust that he has a plan for me. It's a wonderful opportunity to influence the people around us. And then trust. Trust that God's plan is always the best. You probably know this passage from the Old Testament, from Jeremiah chapter 29, where God writes this through the prophet Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. It's a beautiful promise. Just for a minute, I want to focus on one word because I have a feeling that the English version doesn't quite do justice to what it actually says in the Old Testament Hebrew. And that's the word prosper. Not a terrible translation. I understand what they were going for, but when I hear the word prosper, I think often of earthly success, earthly wealth, earthly fame, earthly good things, whatever you want to say. The actual word in the Hebrew text is shalom. And if you know that word from Hebrew, shalom is a greeting that is often used that simply means peace. You know what God wants for you more than anything else? He wants to shalom you. He wants to peace you. He wants to give you the calm assurance that no matter what else happens in this life, because of what Jesus has already done for you, because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, and because Jesus rose from the dead, God wants you to have the peace of knowing that anything else in this life, really in the end, doesn't matter. Because it can't change what Jesus has already done. The peace that God wants you to have, that shalom that God wants you to have, is that you have a place waiting for you with him in heaven. As we think about that, a couple of takeaways from our devotion tonight. Number one, we don't always see God's plan and purpose for us in our lives. Sometimes we get to see it a little bit later. Other times we may never see exactly why God changed things from the what we had planned to what God's plan is. And yet we know God's plan is always good. Secondly, we trust God's love for us and know he wants, uh, wants to bless us with peace that lasts forever. That's what Jesus himself said. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I don't give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Here's the best advice that God would give you through his word. 
Go ahead and make your plans. Go ahead and think about what your definition of success might be as you fast forward 10 years down the road. But as you do that, just be mindful of the fact that God's plans and our plans sometimes might be a little different and that God's plans are always better than ours. And he proved it. He proved it because he didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all. And Paul's conclusion about that is if God was willing to do that, then he's also going to graciously give us all things. God wants to give you peace. The peace that is greater than anything else in this world. And he's provided that through Jesus. Can I ask you to think about this? As you thought about that list of things 10 years from now that would make your life successful, if you didn't include this, maybe just think about this. I also want to be growing and stronger in the faith that God has given me. Faith which means I have peace with God, peace for an eternity, peace knowing that my future in heaven is prepared with him. And as you grow in that faith, as you stay in contact with God through his word, God will help you handle all of the changes, the new normals, all of the plans that he has for you, all the way to your eternity with him. Amen. Mm -hmm.